Well, hello, my name is Natalie Francis Clark, owner of Pause Reset Brunch. Welcome to today's podcast. And our guest today is none other than inspirational speaker and author, Lisa Carter. And I'll give you a brief introduction about Lisa. Lisa was born in Roxbury, Massachusetts, a historical community challenged by drugs, violence, and poverty. At the age of 12, she was placed in foster care and shortly after became pregnant. Her mother who battled with alcohol and drug abuse unfortunately passed away one month before her son was born. Despite these hardships, she worked as a peer advisor with the goal of educating teens about making healthy decisions. Later, she accepted a position at Boston Medical Center's teen and top program where she worked with a medical team to ensure young parents receive the services needed to parent effectively. Her pursuit of post-secondary education was always at the forefront of her mind. And after years of hard work and determination, she earned her bachelor's degree at the University of Massachusetts. She now serves as a site coordinator at Communities and Schools, a dropout prevention organization located in Charlotte, North Carolina. Lisa hopes her story will inspire others to reach beyond their circumstances and to never give up. So let's welcome today, Lisa Carter. Hi, Lisa. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me, Natalie. This is truly, truly a blessing. Thank you. Well, let me just explain. Um, I never knew a lot of things that you endured at such a young age. And one of the things that I always admire about you is you have such a pleasant aura. Like when you see, you just see joy over your aura. So when you're giving like tidbits and I'm here like amazed because you chose joy over being bitter, you know? Um, so that's one of the reasons why I was like, no, I need her as my first guest. So before we begin, I am drinking a nice cup of turmeric green ginger tea sweetened with a touch of maple syrup. What are you drinking or snacking on right now? Well, I am drinking some warm lemon water. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it really does get my day going. I love coffee, but I'm trying to make sure I uh, pause a little bit for that in the mornings at least. So this mm -hmm. is yes. Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? That's good too. <laughs> so it's so funny because I grew up in Boston as well. And uh, we never, we never met each other until, until Charlotte. Right. So I moved, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina in 2006, I want to say. And um, you moved around what, 2008, 2009? Actually it was uh, 2000 and um seven actually oh yeah. okay 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 and you know and I, as I stated earlier on one of the things that was just so pleasant about you is th that smile oh my god the warmest smile ever um so I'm just gonna dive right into it you know um so reading some of some of the information you share with us on Instagram and just to know you started your life as a mother at an age of 13. You were in and out of foster care. 
you know, like stated, you lost your mom from drugs and alcohol, yet you were so determined to do better. What was that driving force? What was that factor? Why didn't you just say, you know what, it is what it is? You know, that's a good question. And even in writing my um, story, Mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to reflect on things that I never really had a chance to reflect on because I was busy in mommy mode. Um, But I will say that, you know, growing up in Roxbury, there were a lot of um, challenges and influences. And as I mentioned, my mom, she uh, had an addiction to alcohol and drugs. And unfortunately, passed away as a result um, in about li- literally uh, within the year that we were removed, my brother and I were removed from her home, from the home. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pregnant 12 years old and um, I, I never forget the feeling of like wondering like, oh, whoa, now what? My mother was alive at the time um, and she said to me, she said, you know what, um, Lisa, I I'm not gonna tell you what you need to do because you're not gonna hate me for the rest of your life. And then to think that she passed away one month before I gave birth to my son, you know, those those words um, stuck with me. I will say growing up, my mother would have a good time on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. Any day she could get a hand on something, whether it was alcohol and eventually, unfortunately, got into the, uh, the, the crack became an epidemic. So she struggled with drug abuse on that end. But there was one thing she would say, you're going to get up out this house and you're going to go to school and you better come through this door with some A's and B's. And, you know, it's interesting because even though there were so many challenges in the home, mm-hmm. there was an expectation set at an early age that your child and as a child, your responsibility is to go to school and to do right and to respect adults. And so through the reflection process, I said, you know what, that, that was important for me. Like you know, that going to school and making sure that I stayed in school was, was important. But then also there were some challenges I came across with even having my son so young, you know, there were so many people that were saying things like, oh, you're gonna end up like your mother on drugs, on welfare, this is gonna ruin your life. And trust and believe, it it very much could have. But there was something in me at that point that said, you know, how am I going to work through this? And so it's interesting because a part of me was like, "Mm, okay, let me show you. Not realizing that that was a drive that I needed to get over a very, very difficult time. It was a form of kind of like a rebellion, like, oh, you said so? Well, watch this. And it, it's crazy because mm-hmm. there were things that I struggled with. I struggled. I mean, I made some 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 difficult decisions through that journey, but I was always reminded of my goal and where I want what I wanted, and um, having like a vision for what I wanted in my life was was really important. And so I just every time I fell down, I kept my eye on that prize and just kept on moving. Me and my baby and my book bag. <laughs> isn't it funny how um, words are so effective you know and that's why it's so important to watch what you say when you talk over children you know and and I'm I'm glad you had that rebellious <laughs> attitude like no this is not what's going to happen you know these are things that you know adults 
we as adults, even, you know, because we're at that age group, right? But we just have to be careful what we say is better to, to speak positivity. Of course, be honest and transparent, but definitely have a more positive influence than, than having, you know, this, this negative, these negative words towards our, our youth. Right. Absolutely. Did you ever want to give up? Did you ever want to give up? Like, you know, was there a point where you just felt so defeated? Actually, yes. Um, After I had my son, I remember Mm -hmm. my mom passed away one month before I had him. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in foster care at the time and uh, living with my godmother. So, you know, foster care within the system, but living with someone I was familiar with at that point. Okay. Um, And I remember having him and after just feeling just down, like, what am I going to do? I mean, I had my friends, my friends were out doing their thing. Um, His father, we were together, but, you know, it was kind of like that. He was able to still move the way he needed to move. And then also on top of that, like grieving the loss of my mother. Um, mm-hmm. And so I felt like I really didn't have what I needed to even care for my son. And um, I never forget one day I, I, I looked over at him while he was taking a nap. He was a few months old and I felt like I just didn't think I was good enough. And um, I, I grabbed the bottle of pills and took a good handful. And after I took them, I thought, what in the world did I just do? Mm-hmm. And I remember calling um, the, uh, the clinic to say, hey, I just did this. And they told me I needed to contact the poison control um, center immediately. And I hung up the phone and never did. I, oh, I just wow. closed my eyes. And I remember kissing my son and hoping I would wake up. And here I am today, you know, I think about that and I say, wow, what could I have done? Right. First of all, I'm grateful that, that, you know, nothing happened, but the thought that that could have been a moment for me where everything could have turned just because I was in a place where I felt lonely. I felt lost. I felt helpless. Um, But (laughs) by the grace of God, I was able to work through that and I got the help I needed. Did you ever try that again? No, 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 no. Okay. Never, never tried it again. After that point, I, I, it was, it was, it was something in it. Even though I was young, I was only thirteen, but there was right. something that allowed me to know that that you can do this. You can work through this. Wow. So, in one of your Instagram posts, and later we're going to tell people how they can connect with you and find out more about you and your upcoming book, which I'm very excited about. But in one of your posts, you mentioned a Caucasian lady by the name of Erica Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how she made a difference in your life. Now, now I, I, I know what was going on around the time when you were 13 years old. You know, I, I remember Boston, you know, around that, that time. Now, what, made Erica so special that she was an influence in your life at, at, for a 13 year old or, you know, 14, 15 year old teen growing up in Boston. What, what was that connection? What was it about her that made mm-hmm. you um, 
you know, that made your acceptance to her? What, what was it? Can you elaborate just on what she brought to you in your life? Absolutely. So Erica, um, actually at the time, social services, they were trying to connect me with resources and it was recommended that I receive a, a big sister through the big brother, big sister organization. Mm-hmm. And I remember when they interviewed me, they said, do you, does it matter if, the, if your sister is black or white? And I remember feeling like, mm, yeah, <laughs> what I mean? but there was something in me, even at a young age that said, mm, that wouldn't seem right. Or that would be kind of rude to say, you know, yes, I prefer a black big sister. And so my innocence, I said, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so when I met Erica, lo and behold, yes, she was, she was a, a, a young, maybe mid twenties or so, um, a white woman. And she came in, she smiled and I had my baby and I thought to myself, okay, I guess I got a white big sister, right? <laughs> it was new for me. I mean, I had social services, they were involved and um, you know, of course, you know, my social worker w- was white, but, you know, living in, in Roxbury, that's, you know, the bulk of the people you saw were people, you know, are, mm-hmm. so that was different for me. And so when I met her, I was a little hesitant. I was like, okay, let's see where this is going to go. Because to be honest with you, I really didn't want a big sister, you know, at that age, you're just like, please just leave me alone. But, um, you know, she'd come and we'd, we'd hang out and she'd ask me, what do you like? And I said, oh, I like McDonald's. And, you know, she'd be like, okay, well, she wouldn't take me to McDonald's all the time, but we'd go to McDonald's and we'd have conversations and talk. And she didn't, wasn't a fan of it, but she'd eat like her filet of fish sandwich just to kind of be a part of my experience with me. But one thing I will say about her is that she was just a real, genuine hmm. It was something about her that I knew she wasn't, you know, prying for information or asking nosy questions. You know, Mm. he was just calm and relaxed. And I felt like whenever I was in her presence, like, okay, this is a moment for me. This is my time. And um, she, I'd bring my son with me on, on most occasions, whenever we'd um, you know, go hang out. Uh, sometimes we'd go to her house and, you know, carve pumpkins and bake cookies and sit around the table and eat dinner together. And um, I would think, wow, so this is what it's all about. Cause you know, I mean, growing up, we didn't sit down and eat at a table, you know, grab your plate and be glad you had something to eat. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, with Erica, you know, she invited me into her home. I met her husband who was an amazing um, man. And I saw the love they had for one another and just how they just, just embraced me with open arms. And it never felt like it was, oh, let's help this poor little black girl. It didn't Mm. feel that way. Mm -hmm. It felt like people who genuinely cared. And so over time, I just, you know, developed that relationship with her where I knew she was my big sister. I could talk to her about everything just about. And so it was, it was just an, an amazing experience and a growth opportunity for me in terms of understanding that, mm, you know, color is, 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 is not that important. It's really matters of the heart. And so I, I, I was connected with her heart and, and through that experience, I, I was able to open my eyes more to building relationships with all kinds of people. Yeah. It's, funny how um you can pick up on who's genuine and it makes a huge difference 
And I'm glad that she was genuine. I'm glad that you were open, you know, to receive her and what she was willing to offer. Because obviously that made a huge influence on you because it opened you up to, like you said, sitting down and having dinner um, together, you know, something you never experienced. Question, the McDonald's y'all went to, was it the one on Washington Street in, in Roxbury? Is the one on Warren Street. Warren Street. Sorry, yeah, Warren Street. Yeah. Warren Street. Yeah, that's the Warren one. Street, good old Warren Street. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. So you're writing a book. And, and right now it's like in the publishing stages right now, right? Correct. Lisa, what made you decide to do this? What made you decide to be so transparent? Well, when I was about 14 or 15, um, a friend that I met in middle school, her mom mm -hmm. said, you know, you should write your story. And at the time, I, like I said, I just had my son. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted the time. She knew a little bit about my past, not a lot, but just enough to know, like, you need to write this. And um, I remember saying, ah, okay, you know, like, yeah, you know, 14 years old, you're not thinking anything much about it. Then later on, um, 11th grade, my 11th grade language arts teacher assigned a project where we had to write like an autobiography, right? She gave us different topics and um, I still have it until this day. It's in a photo album that's pretty worn, but I can still read the words. And she wrote a letter and she said, wow, this is a, an amazing start to a story. I, you know, I really want to encourage you to, to continue to write so you can leave this for your son. And I thought, okay, here we go again. You know, okay, yeah, you know. And then as time went on and I went through life and had opportunities to connect with different people through organizations I've worked for and, and different um, opportunities, people were having had. So, you know, had you, had you considered writing a story? So, no, you know, but I've, I've heard it several times. And so lo and behold, here we are, pandemic shows up and we're like, okay, hold on. This mm -hmm. is and for some reason, there was something in me that was so strong this time that said, now or never. Okay. And I knew this was my season. You know, there would be times I'd write pieces of the story and, you know, little, little pieces of blog post, you know, little, nothing major. Mm -hmm. But this time I said, okay, Lisa, go ahead and um, do what you got to do. Um, my, my youngest son had just gone off to, to college and, and I was for the first time in all my life ex was actually experiencing being what they consider an empty nester or being um, in a place where I didn't have to really worry about everyone else. I could actually take a moment to dive in. And, and, and that's when I, I felt the drive like, okay, Lisa, you don't have the excuse of you're raising children and everything else. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a husband who is supportive and he's been encouraging you. You have no excuse, get it done. And so I started the writing process and, and I mean, I didn't know like where it was going to go in terms of the direction, but God opened up some doors and lined up a few things. And through that experience, now here I have, you know, a, a, a book that's, I'm scheduled to be published very soon. And it's just a combination of different moments and memories. You know, my I experience a lot. So right. my thought process is a little different than the average person, right? Mm -hmm. I, I just kind of wrote my, my most vivid memories. 
And so there are points and, and things that I remember going back through my timeline that I that I documented. And I just said, you know what? If there's for nothing else, I did it for myself. Mm-hmm. My son will will have something and, and I pray that others are are blessed by it. Um, but if nothing else, it's something that I did because I knew in my heart it was something I needed to do. Okay. How is your relationship with your first son? My first son, he is 32 years old now. He is a dad. And I will tell you this, where we are right now is a very, very um, interesting place. I think we're right at that place where he knows a mommy and mommy, mommy, they call me mommy, right? (laughs) He knows a mommy and mommy's going to be mommy. But he also realizes like, wow, the thing you just your average thing that the average young person can go through and, and be where you are today. So I sense in my heart that he has a, a, a strong um, respect for where I am and understands why I was so hard. I mean, I was hard and I know I was, it was just, I was so scared that I was going to lose my baby because, you know, living in Roxbury, Dorchester, there was all kinds of stuff going on. You can yeah, hear the <laughs> You know, times when I'm ditching, dodging bullets, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. And so growing up with him being right there, I mean, I knew how to navigate because that was where I was born and raised. I knew how to, you know, get around certain things. But I really found that because I was so concerned about losing him, mm-hmm. that I kept my my paws on him so much to the point that when he broke free, he said, I'm out of here. You know, but um, I realized at the end of the day, hey, I could I only did what I knew how to do. And and he's here today, you know, whether I had it all right. No, I didn't. But one thing I will tell you, I say he's not out robbing. He ain't out stealing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He he's respectful. He has his ways. He's his mama's child. But we have an amazing relationship and he knows my heart. He knows I love him and I know he loves me. That is so awesome. So now, okay, so you had him at the age of 13 and you have two daughters and a younger son, right? Well, biologically, I have two sons and one daughter, and then I have two bonus children, a a son, a boy and a girl. So altogether, we have five. Um, Biologically, I have two boys, one girl. My girl is the middle child. So how has it been? I'm curious to see how were you with your two daughters, considering, you know, you got young, you, you got pregnant at a young age, were you like overbearing? Were you like, watch out? Were you, um, did you get lenient over the years? Oh, no, I was, I had, it was like a ham on their heads too. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I realized that that was my area that I needed growth and, 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 and work on because uh-huh. I know, and I didn't know then, but I'm like, wow, why was I so, but it was because I was trying so hard to prevent them from going down the path I went down. Okay. And so you know, yes, when they got to that age, when they were, I could tell little boys were liking them and they were liking little boys. I'm like, okay, so listen, like I would be honest and open, open up up front, but I also, you know, kept an eye. But the thing about it is that 
things I used to do and the things they they thought they were getting over, like, nah, you can't do it because I, I already see it before it comes, right? So right. struggle with that, I continued to block their opportunities that they thought they were trying to navigate through. So that created some issues because it's like, wow, ma, never let... I saw it before it came. I'm like, mm-hmm. you telling me what you think you, you think I want to know, but I know what's really going down. Right, um, right. In general, like, yes, I mean, it was, it was hard because I just always wanted my children to be able to experience just being children, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was that was like my my whole life. Like, no, I don't want you to have to do it how I did it. And again, there are things that I realized even in experience I've had in unhealthy relationships and things like that, like, okay, I can't stay here because I have children who are watching. And so I had to work through it as well. Like, okay, you know, you, you want this for them, but what are you going to do to change the way you're handling your business as well Mm -hmm. was also kind of what I was experiencing during that process. So I have one question because I will I will forever say one of the things that I love about you well one of the things that I find amazing is that I never knew you went through all this and I still find it so commendable um that you have such a joy you know with within you have um this pleasantry that you can light up a room when you walk into the room no joke. So I've probably, I, I just, I just want you to elaborate for people who are going through, for people that have gone through, but yet they allow the bitterness to kind of overtake their lives. What would you tell them? What advice can you give them? Ooh, that is a loaded <laughs> loaded question and as you were um speaking the feeling i have in my heart is is one of gratitude and i say that because i can't even take credit for it i can't even say it's because this is the way Mm-mm, no mm-hmm. it's it's a gift it's a gift that was given. And I, and I really believe that there are times in life when we are faced with challenges. And in that moment, we have an opportunity Mm -hmm. to look at that challenge or those challenges with two different eyes, right? Mm -hmm. Look at it from one way, like, oh my goodness. And that's the reality because some things are just a a real deal, knock the breath, wind out of you. But then after that moment, there's a split moment where we have to make a decision. And that's not easy. It is not easy, but we have to make a decision quickly because if we don't, and we stay in that dark place, it's harder to come out. And so the decision has to be a, okay, this is the circumstances. What is the best or healthiest way to work through this? And sometimes we think we can do it alone. You know, we get in a space where like, okay, we're trying to navigate it on our own, but it doesn't happen that way. We have to look out and see 
who's our support system. It could, it, it may not be that you have a, a big support system, but you better believe if you are thinking about making a decision that's best, someone will come to mind that will help you. If they don't have the answer, they know someone that has the answer. And so I feel like when we get to the point where we can look at our circumstances in two different ways, like, okay, we could choose joy or we could choose anger, rage. What feels better? And I'm be honest with you. Joy is something about it. It, it, It's powerful. It's something that gives us strength. Right. It gives us peace. Mm -hmm. It gives us just such drive. And in the middle of it, it, we could be struggling, but the power of choosing joy. Okay. Not that we're smiling and laughing all over the place when we know we're hurting, but making a conscious effort to say, I refuse to allow this to take from who I am. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that even in my book title, Behind the Smile, I never forget, I I met a lady years ago and it was a quick interaction. And she looked at me, she walked up, she said, your smile has power. And I I said, what? It it never even, I never paid attention to my smile. I'm telling you. Never paid attention to. And it wasn't until like I was writing and, 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 and after I went through that process, I looked at pictures from back when, and I, most of my pictures, I mean, some of them didn't have a smile, but the bulk of my pictures, there was a smile, which led me to the title of my book behind the smile, because behind the smile is pain is, you know, you know, frustration, there's all kinds of things, but in the midst of it, I have decided to choose joy because listen, I like to keep the party started going. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> let's get the parties. I love having a good time. I love people. Yeah. You know, I just love the connections that coming together and, and experience and expressing true joy right. feeling. It's a good feeling. And so I'm just walking in that. And that's, that's, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's the best I could give you. And and also it depends on, on who you spend your time around. You know what I mean? If you, if you're going through a rough time and you are constantly around the people who are also, let's say, choosing bitterness or, you know, angry all the time, or just choose to give up all the time that also feeds into your spirit, right? So, yeah. so it, you have to also be mindful on who you are around, you know, because it's true energy transfers. Yes. And, um, and that's why, you know, like I said, I am so grateful that you chose to be my guest today because honestly, Lisa, just reading the little um, snippets of what your book is all about, I was just shocked. Because like I said, when I think of you, I think about that smile. I think about that joy. And, you know, sometimes we go through things in life and it's to share. And, 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 and you sharing and being transparent, it might help someone to know, wow, she went through all that. 
and she's able to have this type of attitude in life. You know, she's able to be a, a mother, a healthy mother. She's able to have a healthy relationship. I'm not saying that, you know, that happens to everyone. You know, things happen, life happens, we know that. But it's the fact that you were able to go through all this, a little girl pregnant at the age of 13 in Roxbury, Massachusetts, losing their mom to drugs and alcohol. For here you are today, you know, and um, thank you for choosing to be trans transparent. It's something I love about tran transparency, you know, um, not to say that you need to share everything in all aspects, but being transparent, remembering what you come from. You know, there are some people who have gone through stuff and then they act like they have never done anything a day in their life, um, <laughs> you know, but here you are, you, you, you chose that, you know, obviously you're transparent with your kids because your children knows your story. They know you're coming out with this. Have they ever been felt like they were embarrassed? Like, like, mommy, why you need to share this? Have they ever, do they feel a way about it or they're, they're supportive? Oh, they are super supportive. I mean, like my, my immediate family, they are like my, my biggest fan club. They're the ones that's like, you know, you need to do it. You need to do it. Mm. Yes. Yes. Very supportive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I know your husband and, and to me, you guys are just such an awesome couple. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that he's a big support to you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's been it's been it's been an amazing um, journey. I mean, my even the work I'm doing right now, working with with um, children and families, and really the biggest thing is listen. I know it's tough, but your education, get it, get it, because that's mm -hmm. one thing no one can take from you. Right. And I want our children, like my mother, the way she said, you know, come through this door with A's and B's. There's something about staying in that during your struggle, because at the end of the day, if I hadn't have gone through, graduated from high school, you know, it took 10 years for me to get my bachelor's degree, but I, by the grace of God, finally got it. I wouldn't be in a position right now to do the work that I'm, that I'm doing. I mean, I could easily do the work, not saying that the degree is the end all be all, but within my role, it's a requirement. And so mm -hmm. I'm actually doing what I love and I can do it because I have um, my degree and I've worked through that um, in the midst of it all. So if there's anything I can let our, our young people know is listen, you know, you don't have to go to college. It's, it's great if you can, but listen, find a vocation, find a trade, find something you love doing. My background is in human services and, and community planning. I love people. Um, so that's where I went. Find what you love and go ahead and do what you've been purposed to do. Awesome. Now, Lisa, please let the audience know how and where they can follow you. Absolutely. So there are three ways so you can follow me. One on Instagram at Lisa Carter, C A R. T-E-R, like, hey, Miss Carter, Lisa Carter Speaks. <laughs> Lisa Carter Speaks. And then on uh, Facebook also, uh, Lisa Carter Speaks. And my uh, 
website is lisacarterspeaks.com. So come check me out. I'll be doing some, giving some updates in terms of um, book release mm-hmm. and hopefully it'll be very soon. Maybe by the time you hear this, it'll be ready for you. So I hope so. We yes. are definitely looking forward to your book. Congratulations on being transparent, sharing your life experiences and choosing joy. So I want to thank you again for being my first guest. Yay. Um, You know, so happy for you and I just wish you nothing but success. Absolutely. Thank you. And I'm wishing you nothing but success. You are an amazing soul and I'm just grateful to have the connection with you. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you. And thank you so much.